And I want to ask you all, please do me a big favor. And will you stop going to church? Seriously. It's time that we, as a body of Christ, just realize that we need to stop going to church. So what is this all about? We're heading into an awesome series. Last week we spoke about church not being a special event, but being a spiritual family. And I don't know if you remember, but determining, depending on what you see church as determines how you will approach it and what your expectation of it will be. Am I right? If you expect church to just be a special event, it leads you to want and desire and expect an experience when you go to that event instead we would like people to see that church is a spiritual family that you connect to. And that is one of the big passions of this church. And has always been that, is that we're about relationship. We're about getting to know people and walking with people as we all get to know God better, find more freedom, discover our purpose, and learn how to make a difference and make disciples. And so if you want your life to honor God and walk and, 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 and then join us in this journey uh, of, of experiencing more of that. Today, our topic is that church is not a hotel, but instead it is a hospital for the sick. But let's read first our, um, our opening and theme verse for this series. Now, Lance, this is where you and I and Waylon maybe, um, let, let us see what you have on there as the first verse, because I'm going to probably ask you to do something different. All right. I want you to go to the way bottom of your presentation. The last three slides, okay, has Hebrews, no, Hebrews 10. There you go. Come on. Hebrews 13. No, no, no. He, it should have Hebrews 10. Is that the last one you got there? Well, then go to the last one. <laughs> Hebrews 10. I can... Now go... All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help us out. Don't worry about it. <clears throat> I got it right here. Hebrews 10, if you have a Bible or a Bible app or something, you can join me in Hebrews 10, verse 24. And this is what it says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Come on, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the day, all the more as you see the day approaching. I love this first part, verse 24, that says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Really, if you're part of a spiritual family, stirring happens by default. Sometimes for, <laughs> for fun, sometimes... You know, because you're getting angry. But most of the time, it's for fun. Most of the time in spiritual fa in family, you know, we're interacting for the good and for, for, for everybody's enjoyment. And that's what we want to do. We want to stir one another up for love and good works. Hey, there is a broken and a desperate world out there that needs Jesus. Would you agree? Who is going to take the word of faith? Who is going to take the word of hope, the word of salvation to those people if it's not the church? Well, the real answer is, is nobody, right? <laughs> because that's kind of the thing that the church should do. That's our mandate. That's our job. And so let us consider in this time, how can we stir one another up for love and good works? Not neglecting to meet together, as some are in the habit of doing, but 
encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. How many of you know that in a time like this, it is even more important that we stop just going to church and realize that we have to be the church for one another and we have to be the church for the world out there. This is our time to really let the world know that we're here. All the more as you see the day approaching, in times of crisis, the light of the gospel shine brightest. And so we have to take our opportunity to let people know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. That there is solution in His Word to whatever crisis that we might be going through. Whether that be a health crisis or an economic crisis or a relational crisis or just a crisis of hope, a crisis of purpose, feeling insignificant. Jesus Christ's Word has an answer to every single one of these things that we're going through in life. And so we want to talk about how do we as a church, how are we supposed to operate? How does God see the church? Because God does not see the church as a special event. He sees it as a spiritual family. But neither, neither does God see church as a hotel. And we're going to get into that today. Rather, He sees it as a hospital. Now let's jump to the top. Have you ever seen some of these signs that you go uh, drive past the interstate? Okay, so what do they tell you? They tell you what's happening at the next exit, right? So this one says, I can, I can read that far. There's, like a, there's, a, there's a place where you can stay, okay? These are all little places of, I love that one at the top right, comfort. Little places of comfort. Come in for comfort because this is the comfort in. All right? Now, you see these all over, right? Let's look at the next picture. What is that one supposed to mean? Correct. Sometimes, though, we confuse the two. Because they both start with, you know, the, the letter, the same letter. And you might go like, oh man, goodness, I can find, there's an H, that must mean hotel. If you don't, you know, if you don't have your wits about you one day and, and, and you take the exit and you go and you, you, you don't even pay attention to the signs or the names or whatnot. You drive up to the place, you enter into the lobby and you, go, you say, hey, can I please have a room for, for two for the night, please? And the receptionist goes, um, who's your doctor? And you're like, well, that ain't none of your business, lady. Can I please have a room for two, please? And she said, um, sir, uh, I need to, you know, and I need you to fill out all this information for me so that I can find your, you know, your Medicare and all that. And he was like, back off, lady. I don't need you jump, jump, jumping into all my business here. I just need a room. And then the receptionist goes, sir, you realize this is a hospital, right? And she goes, and, you, and, you, and then you go, wait, what? Hospital? And she, yeah, this is, you know, Our Lady of Lords, you know, Hospital of Acadia, Acadiana. And, and you go, wait, seriously? And then you start becoming aware of your environment. You go like, you know, you see, you see all the wheelchairs, you know, and you see all the, the beds with the IV stands. And you're like, whoa, this ain't right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I came to the wrong place. <laughs> Let's look at the next picture. <laughs> All right. Let's get into some facts here. Both of these places, hospitals and hotels, exist to serve people, right? 
They exist to serve you. One serves you with comfort and rest, but the other one is actually a place that serves you with help that you need at that moment. Help that you need. And, and the one is, is, is mostly related to your, to your comfort, a place of just kind of winding down and doing whatever you want to do. In the other one, you step in, and after a while, shortly after you step in, they start telling you what to do. Now go to this room, wait in that chair, the doctor will be with you. The doctor comes in and, says, and, and, and then he, he starts asking you all sorts of uncomfortable questions. <laughs> and if you mistake the one for the other, you're going to have a very bad experience. <laughs> you go to these two places for very different reasons and with very different um, expectations. The first one you want to go to, because you're probably on your way somewhere, and you're taking a little, you know, just jumping off the road to rest for a night and then continue your journey. The one that relates to fun and, you know, an expectation of enjoyment. Well, the other one you generally don't go to because you want to. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't like going to hospitals if it's for no good reason. Like, I certainly do not go there unless, you know, I need to go for myself personally or if I'm going to help somebody that is there that's going through a tough time. The one is about comfort. The other one is about care. The one is about what you want. The other one is about what you need. <laughs> and sometimes those are different. The one you go to relax at, the other one you go to heal at. So think about the time when you were rushed or you had to rush somebody to the hospital. Have you ever been in such a situation? Those are not peaceful, calm moments. You know, and you get there and they push a, a paper in front of you and you have to fill all that out. And you go, this person's dying. Can we please help him before we help the paper? <laughs> because you have an expectation that somebody's going to respond when you arrive there. You have an expectation that somebody's going to act on what you are presenting them. We have different expectations. But you know, when we look at the world around us, we see a lot of brokenness and a lot of pain. And you know what saddens me is that in general today, these days, people don't feel like they can come to church for that. Often people feel that they need to deal with that before they come to church. Have you ever felt that, man, my life is so messed up right now. I better just, you know, take some time away from church to kind of go fix myself so that I can come and present a clean, you know, house in order when I come to church. If you've ever experienced any notion of that kind, you need to understand that you're experiencing a misconception in your own mind about what church is about and what church is for. And you want to come dressed to the nines because you're thinking you're going to a hotel where you're going to have to impress people around you rather than it doesn't matter what you come dressed in. If you have a crisis at 2 a.m., you're not getting dressed before you rush to the hospital. You show up in your PJs and worry about appearances later. God wants us to, um, to approach church as a hospital, not a hotel. Not a place where you have to come and perform. Not a place where you have to come prepared. But a place where you come with 
your damage, with your problem, with your, with your challenges, and you worry about appearances later. This is supposed to be a place of healing and a place of health. But some churches are more like hotels, and they create the impression that you cannot come unless your life is sorted out first. No. My opinion is, you don't go take a shower, and then you go take a bath. You just take one or the other. And it's the same with church. You don't have to be healed and, he- and well and all sorted out before you come here. You come here to be healed and sorted out. Let's read some scripture. All right, let's see if we have this one. Matthew 9, verse 10. I know we have this one. Yes! All right. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Welcome to Dr. Ace's office. The church is supposed to be a hospital for sick people, not a hotel for vacationers. First point, the hospitals exist for sick people. This is how we want to liken the church unto a hospital today and explain what are hospitals there for and use that as a metaphor to explain what is the church there for and what is our desire at our Savior's church for you and anybody you know that are around you that are not well, that are sick, that are struggling with things right now. First of all, hospitals exist for sick people. So there's no surprise that you step into a hospital and you find sick people, right? So how come it's surprising to these Pharisees that Jesus is spending time with sinners, tax collectors, and other disreputable people? How come it's a surprise to them? Because they lost the idea, they lost the notion that Jesus is a physician to heal They lost the idea that their job was supposed to help people, not lord over people. They became too important for themselves. And they started doing their ministry unto the people as a duty. And they started expecting people to give them honor and recognition that never was meant by God for them to have. And so they couldn't no longer see themselves as having to do the hard work of walking with people who are going through trouble. They just wanted the good people to come to them who were already perfectly fine so that they didn't have any more to do with them. And they could just they could just receive all the, you know, the glory of having all these amazing well people around them. Churches like that have lost their purpose, I'm sorry. And if you're surprised that you come into this house and people are smoking, dipping, you know, just came out of uh, all sorts of addictions. If you're surprised you come into this house and you find people that are, are, are struggling through marriages, then you have lost the notion that the church is meant to be a hospital, not a hotel. In this house, there are broken people. Thank God they are. Because where else would they find healing? Where else would they grow beyond the things that are Uh, having dominion over them and find the dominion of Jesus Christ replacing the things that are having dominion over their lives right now. It's like you walk into a hospital and you walk past an operation room and you see blood on the floor and you go like, oh oh my goodness. 
No, you walk past that and you go like, well, that's where a life was safe right now. That's probably where a baby was born right now. And yes, we, th- things need to get cleaned up. And, and yes, you know, having the, the stain of, of blood on floors is an indication of, you know, the presence of things that happened that were ec- kind of extreme and all that. But that gets cleaned up. And it gets cleansed. And it gets, it gets um, you know, sanitized again so that we can help the next person and not jeopardize the next person. So there's not a, a, this is not a place where sin is celebrated. Don't get me wrong. It's a place where it gets sorted out though. It's one of the only places where somebody's going to help you work through the things that you're struggling with and the things that you're stuck in. With the patience and the love and the grace that you need to walk the journey that you need to walk to break, through, break, break free. Because we all know that external modification of, 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 of behavior just is not something that's, 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 that's doable. That's why you cannot work your way into heaven. You cannot. <laughs> you just simply can't. Because if you could, then Jesus wasn't necessary. The cross wasn't necessary. But the cross was necessary. And Jesus did come to do that awesome sacrifice on our behalf because of the fact that we cannot heal ourselves, because of the fact that we cannot make ourselves good enough to be in heaven. But we shouldn't be surprised that we have, we have you know, broken people in our environment. And let me just encourage you with this. Some brokenness takes longer to heal than others. It's just a fact. You know, when you broke your arm, it takes longer to heal than when you maybe, you know, superextended it for a little bit and, and, and you have muscular hurts and maybe some, some, some tears in your muscle. That's a lesser of a, of a hurt than a fracture. And it's going to heal up quicker than the other. It's going to have less rehab and less, you know, follow up after that necessary. So we have to have the patience while people are healing, while people are recovering, while people are stepping back into strength. But the church is a, is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. And sometimes we've made it the museum for saints. And when it's a museum, you cannot touch anything. Everything has to be just right. Everything has to be pretty, you know. Everything is like, you know, some things are considered holy. You know, you, you, can't, even, you can't even go there. No, this is a hospital. In hospitals, we go into every bit of a, of a person's life in order to get them well. So let's look, look at Jesus' friends and, 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 the, and the people that was, that was around him. <laughs> and if this bothers you, then... I want to appeal to you that you take a deep look on the inside of you. Because your expectation is going to be sorely uh, uh, disappointed. Jesus' friends, Peter, was an impulsive, aggressive guy with anger issues. Paul was a religious fanatic, like a radical, who killed people. And killed Christians. Matthew was the scum of the society. 
because he was considered a traitor. Because he took money from the Jews and gave it to Rome. But he was a Jew himself. So people despised tax collectors. And not only did he uh, take money from the Jews to pay taxes to Rome, he would superinflate taxes. So that he would personally profit off it as well. So not only did he serve the enemy, which was the Roman Empire at that point, which made him a traitor already, he exploited his own people. Matthew, nobody liked Matthew. He was that guy. Thomas, he was a skeptic and a doubter to the point where he would disrespect Jesus after appearing to them and tell them, I'm sorry, I can't believe this unless I touch you. You know, it's not, it's not happening. Think about that, the arrogance. Then there was some other people that is a part of the story of Jesus' lineage. This is the, this is the heritage, pe- people that was before Jesus, all right? A lady called Tamar, she seduced her father-in-law into sleeping with her. Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth was a Moabite. In other words, she was from a different ethnicity. The Moabites are also the offspring of Lot sleeping with his daughters. Incest. Bathsheba. She was raped by a guy who supposedly had a heart after God. You see how God looks differently at things? God can redeem even the worst of the worst situations. But if you find yourself in an environment where people, the worst of the worst, gather, and it irks you, it bothers you, then maybe it's because you see church as a hospital, not as a, as a hotel and not as a hospital, meant for people who are broken and who need redemption. I'm so distinctly reminded of the story in the parable that Jesus taught about two men who came to the altar to worship. The one was a religious scholar and he recited to God all the good he has done and how much tithes he has paid and everything that he has did well to try and tell God how pious and committed, you know, a follower uh, of the law he is. And then there was another guy who came in pounded his chest in front of the altar and just shouted, Jesus, have mercy on my soul. And Jesus asked a very poignant question. Who left justified before God? The one who boasted about all his good or the one who begged for mercy? And his answer was, it was this guy, the undeserving candidate who did nothing to deserve pardon from God. Yet he approached God the way God wanted to be approached. He came, did not see himself as anything, made himself nothing, humbled himself before God and begged for forgiveness. That guy left. That is the heart of this house. That is the heart of the church supposed to be. It's supposed to be a place where people can come and find grace and mercy in a time of need. Romans 3 verse 23 says something that we all need to remember very well. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
But the great news is that, you know, all the healings, all the healing miracles in the Bible started with one common factor, a sick person. So Jesus' miracles all started off with somebody who was not well approaching him or him approaching somebody who was not well. Jesus welcomes unwell people into his presence, and so should we. So should we. So I don't want you to ever feel like you have to stay away from the spiritual family that you are in because your life is going through turmoil. Because you can't, you're not making it right now. That is the worst decision you can make. Because the, the people that God has given you to help you through that moment are the very people you're not staying away from. The very people that God has, has ordained, that God has set next to you to keep you standing you're pushing aside and saying, I first need to manage to stand on my own before I can associate with you guys again. That is not what God intended. In fact, God intended in those moments where you cannot stand, that you be so hooked in with brothers and sisters next to you, even though both your feet are taken out, you can be kept standing until you get regain your ability to stand again. So, if you have a past that you're ashamed of, you're welcome here. I want to say, welcome home. Not just welcome to, to come to this place, but you're welcome to connect into this family. If you feel like you've done stuff, that you've gone too far with things, you've, 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 you've violated some boundaries, you've stepped over the line in many a thing, I want to say you're welcome here. Because Jesus will welcome you into his presence to help you on a journey to find your significance, to find your purpose that creates in you a deep-seated motivation to want to do what he wants you to do. I don't know what you're going through. Might be financial challenges, might be marital challenges, might just be parental or, you know, sibling challenges, things relational. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You are welcome Amen? Come on. But here's what I want to ask you. I want to ask you to not approach this again as an event or as a hotel. Where you expect to just have comfort and everything that you, about what, your need, what you perceive your needs are. I want you as you come to recognize that this is a hospital. And so when somebody says, hey, will you please fill out this page so I can figure out who's your doctor? And so we can get, drop your history. You don't draw back and say, hey, why are you getting up to my business? You realize that we're doing that in an attempt to figure out what is going on in your life and what do we need to refer you to do. We want to go on a journey with you. And a very specific journey. And we're going to talk about that more today. But this is a hospital. And in a hospital... We have a specific task and we have a specific mandate that we need to provide the people that come here. And that requires us to do certain things that maybe not have happened in a previous church that you were. That doesn't mean that it is wrong if we do it. It just means we take our role serious. We take our job serious. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, give yourself to the church. 
You that are members of the church have not found it perfect, and I hope that you feel most glad you have not. As I've already said, the church is faulty, but that is no excuse for you not joining it, if you are the Lord's. Nor need your own faults keep you back, for the church is not an institution for perfect people, but a sanctuary for sinners saved by grace, who though they are saved, are still sinners and need all the help they can derive from the sympathy and guidance of their fellow believers. The church is the nursery for God's weak children where they are nourished and grow strong. It is the fold for Christ's sheep, the home for Christ's family. That is words of a wise man to encourage us to connect to this family so that relationship and trust can be built that will lead you along a journey of what God wants for you next. In fact, the most dangerous people in church, church are not the ones who are sick, but it's those who are sick and they don't know it. I mean, I mean we've seen that, right, right? During this time. People that don't know they're sick, but are. And what a danger they are, because they probably don't take the precaution that they need to for their own, for their own sickness and to protect people around them. So, in 1 John 1 verse 8, the Bible says plainly, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. And we're not living in the truth. And that's why it's so important for us to realize that, you know, the church is a place where sick people gather. And I'm probably sick too. <laughs> there are probably some stuff in me as your pastor that still need to get health, get healed, and grow. Let me tell you this, when I went through the Freedom Conference um, two years ago, I've been in ministry at that time for 14 odd years, 15 odd years, and God broke stuff off my life at that conference that, that I didn't even know was there. It was literally in the moment God would say to me, you know, what about this? Are you willing to let this go? I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, this has been between you and me. I never realized it. Yes, I'm willing to let it go. And with tears and snot flowing everywhere, I gave certain things away. God broke certain things of my life, brought healing to my life at that conference. I want to encourage each and every one of you, if you haven't gone through freedom, you have to go through freedom. We'll start our next freedom semester soon. Um, in fact, we're going to first complete our previous semester of freedom. So if you signed up for freedom uh, last semester because we couldn't finish it, we're going to redo that semester. So if you sign up for freedom last time, come and join us and let us complete the process. If you want to make some shifts, if you want to join a different group than before, let us know, but let us help you to complete that process. According to Jesus, it wasn't the people that was unbelievers and you know, sinners and the reprobates of society that were the sickest. It was actually the Pharisees. Now, he didn't tell them that he thinks that they're the sickest, but he knew that. He knew that. He knew they were the sickest people that didn't know they were sick. You know what happens to people that are sick and don't know they're sick? Jesus doesn't talk nice with them. I'll just say it like that. 
In modern day society, we have a word for that. It's called, you are religious. You think better of yourself than other people. Which is a complete contradiction of what you claim to stand for. Because the Bible says that we ought to love one another and consider others more highly than ourselves. So so often I see Christians out there representing the church, but they're not doing it with the character of Jesus Christ. And that's a problem. But I have to also realize that I do that too. And so why be surprised when you step into church and you find hypocrites? They're going to be here. I'm hypocritical at times. And it shouldn't be a surprise. Because this is not a holy place. This is a place where people who are sinful gather to get saved. To get more into the likeness of Jesus. So if somebody tells you, I don't go to church because they're hypocrites, you go like, wow, you better not go to Walmart. You better not go to the movies. You better not go, well, you better not go to work, boy. Because your boss, he tells you he likes you, but he just likes you for what you're doing for him. That's hypocritical. You better stay away from that. The logic just doesn't make sense. You can't stay away from church because there are hypocrites in church. They come because they realize they're hypocrites which you're not at this point. We're all hypocrites. Yeah, but somebody hurt me while I was in church. I apologize for that. That is not right. But you know what? Hurt people hurt people. So why is it not surprising to us if somebody at work hurts me, but when somebody at church hurts me, it goes like, why did this happen? It's because your expectation was that you're coming to a hotel, not to a hospital where there are broken people. Fix your expectation and you'll realize that you're just the same as everybody here. Broken people serving a perfect Jesus and a perfect Father that gives us the ability to grow better than what we are. To become healthy. <clears throat> the hospital, but let me first, let me just say something here about salvation because I think it's important that we realize that even though the church is a hospital for the sick, Jesus didn't come to make, Jesus didn't come to make good, bad people good. All right, like so, so basically, Basically, the understanding is that, you know, um, we're just sick and we just need healing. No, before Jesus Christ, before you stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ, before you were born again, you were not sick. You were, in fact, dead. You were dead in your sin. And but from the grace of God that give, gave you the ability to respond to His call, you would have remained dead. But you know where you heard that call from? You heard it from the church. Echoed in your inmost being by the Holy Spirit that said to you, you're meant to be a child of God. 
And unless you respond to Jesus' work on the cross, you cannot become a child of God. But you, how many of you know you got saved? When I got saved, my whole life wasn't suddenly perfect. It wasn't. I mean, I, I did a whole bunch of stupid things after I got saved, right? <clears throat> and with that came all sorts of condemnation and things because I didn't understand the grace of God yet. And the church didn't understand the grace of God yet. And so, you know, when you got born again, you're expected to be perfect when you come to church. No, bring all your troubles with you to church and we'll help you sort through it. Because this is a hospital. And hospitals are focused on treatment. So Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. All right, that's good. But you can be spiritually alive and still sick in your soul. And so Jesus may save your life to take you to heaven, but it's the church that's going to save your life from having a broken soul the whole time. Church can help you heal. Church helps the process of sanctification. That's where your whole character and the nature of your life starts becoming and looking more like Jesus Christ. You cannot do that on your own. You need family. Hospitals are focused on treatment, not judgment. Right? You, you ever walked into a hospital, you know, with uh, whatever, you know? With a, you have, you have diarrhea and, you, and, 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 and it just went, let's just go gross today. And it just went, it just went like bad. And then you, 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 you tell the person, that, yeah, I have like uncontrollable diarrhea, um, I need help. And then they go like, ugh. What you go do to get that, man? Stay, stay away from me. Just, just stay back a little bit. Do you get that response when you're in a hospital? <laughs> no, you don't. They'll tell you, step right up, sir. We're here to help. So when you see somebody who comes in a church that looks like they need help, are we going to go like, mm, stay back a little bit? Like, eh, I don't know. You know, why, why is that person coming to our church? It's kind of like, you know, going to influence our, our, you know, our social status a little bit, you know. Well, aren't you a, a nice hotel club member? Instead of a person in the hospital that now that you've become well, are willing to extend that favor and that love to people around you to help them get well too. You don't walk into a hospital and then you get a lecture from the doctor as to why what you did was so stupid. It's like, well, sometimes they'll joke around with you. I remember, like, yeah, true, 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 true story. I, I remember um, uh, going to, going to, you know, um, the emergency ward for the. I uh, probably was this time around was the the the, the, the fifth time during my. Freshman year in college, it was just all sorts of things. Rugby falling through windows, and I wasn't drunk. I was praying on a rooftop, and you know, um, and now you don't believe me, right? <laughs> that was a true story. <laughs> um, and all sorts of stupid things, you know, twisting my ankle and blah blah blah. So, just happened to be that the same doctor would get called out at like you know one two a.m. in the morning every time that I was you know going through an emergency, and at, by the fifth time he walked through the door and he saw my face like, oh, not you again! So <laughs> you know how many sleepless nights you've given me. <laughs> but by now we've become friends, actually. And so church is a place like that. Sometimes we just play around with each other, but it's in good spirits. It's not because of judgment. You don't get judgment from the hospital when you come in with sickness. You get help. Amen?
Let's be a family of people where when people come in, they don't experience judgment for being who they are, what they are, what they have. This is a place for all people. It doesn't matter what social status, doesn't matter what ethnicity, doesn't matter what age. Everyone's welcome. But we also have <clears throat> what you call self-diagnosing culture. How many of you have Googled your symptoms in the last, in the last couple of months? Come on now. I'm going I'm to get to a point about truth, so don't be lying right now. How many of you have self-diagnosed on Google before? Okay, we still have some religious liars in church here today. I know you've done it. Maybe I just want you to have done it because I've done it. I'm being a hypocrite. Self-diagnosing culture is, is it's not that great. Because how I many of you have seen the, the, the health experts pop up on Facebook recently? You know, everybody just knows exactly what's going on right now. Hospitals <laughs> have gone through extensive training and their people to know how to help you. To know how to really diagnose you. But the thing is that if you go into a hospital and they start asking you questions and you lie, like, you know, have you traveled in any countries that have, you know, uh, been on this list and they give you a couple of countries and like, you know, and then they go, and you go, no, I haven't been there. I didn't go to, you know, the Congo or this. Like they go, oh, well, so that rules out hepatitis B, hepatitis A. That rules that out because you couldn't have got that. Well, what if you do have it? And you just lied about it. Are you going to get help? No, you're probably going to die. Because you lied. You don't go into a hospital and hide truth from the, from the people there. You tell them, yes, I did something stupid. And then they go, all right, well, sir, we're going to help you. Regardless of whether what you did was stupid or not. We're going to help you because that's what we're here for. But you have to be honest. You have to come in and say, all right, I'll self-disclose. And I know that's daunting, you know, but that's why people have their doctor. Because even the healthcare industry know that it's difficult for people to open up and tell their junk. And so they'll tell you, let's talk about who's your doctor. So that you don't have to tell the same story to everybody. There's that one guy who you hope you have patient doctor privilege. Secrecy, not secrecy. What's that thing called? Confidentiality. I love that one better. Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 8. When you come to church, you need to do this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. If you want to get your life sorted out, you have to get honest with us. Now, you don't have to be honest with everybody. That's why we have small groups. That's why we create these little relational pockets where people can, can get to know one another and where the character that you can see in the group, you can start trusting that and you can start opening up about what you're going through. Nobody's going to help you with your porn addiction if they don't know that you're struggling with it. Nobody's going to help you with your eating disorder. If you don't tell us about it, about your depression, we have to get, we have to get serious with one another. 
It's only in an environment of truth that true help can be afforded. And sometimes you give a little bit of perspective to people and then they, they make assumptions because you've not really revealed the true thing. And what ends up happening is we end up treating symptoms. We're not sorting out root causes. And then that just leaves you disappointed because you're continuing on in your struggle. And then at a point you go like, well, church didn't work for me. No. It's not that church didn't work. You never were honest. You never engaged. You never allowed the truth of God to set you free. Because you weren't truthful. See, our desire and our hospital's desire is to restore people to full health. Our desire as the church is to see people restored. And our, our prayer is that you will encounter the healer when you are here. You'll encounter the healer in, 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 the, in, the, in the welcome as you walk up into the service. You'll encounter the healer at the door when you're greeted. You'll encounter the healer when you help at the check-in for your kids to, to, to get them in a space where they can be ministered to. We just step in here, the camaraderie, the worship, the word, the fellowship afterwards outside in the parking lot. You're encour- you, when, you, when you come here, our prayer is that you'll encounter the healer. But you know what? You're not going to encounter the healer just individually right there like between you and him. You're also going to encounter the healer in and through us, people. And if we can make an agreement here today to be not a hotel but a hospital for one another, then I can influence and I can help and encourage you on your journey of health as I'm walking on my journey of health. And we can all grow together into what Jesus meant for us in the first place. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Complete healing. You see, we need to lift our eyes to a new goal. Let me say this to you. That the, that the final goal of Christianity is not coming to church. That the end goal of being a Christian is not even to go to heaven. Our goal should be to become like Christ. That is our goal. That is the end to which we're working. Which means that we cannot stop at salvation. If you got saved, I'm glad. But you know what? That's like coming into the coming into a house and stepping through the door. Baba says, Jesus, no one comes to the Father, but through me. I am the door. And so imagine you come into someone to visit with somebody and you're stepping into the house, you step into the door and then you just go, this is awesome. I love this door. This door is beautiful. This door is awesome. This door is so welcoming. It's so, it's, I feel such peace now that I'm in. You're in. But you're feeling doors almost not even closed behind you yet. You need to come in. Let that door shut. 
get comfortable. Let the climate control kick in. Now let's start talking about where were you? What needs to happen? What needs to change in your life? How can we help you to become healthy and to become strong like Christ? Let's show you the rest of the house. Let's make you family. If one part of your life is not under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then it means that you're, you're still sick. It's like thinking, hey, I'm okay, but you have liver failure. Where's the liver? That one organ is going to mess up your whole everything. I mean, think about it. You can be fine in your mind and your appendages, everything can be working properly. But if your, if your stomach goes wrong, nothing works. <laughs> you can't even think straight anymore, right? And that's how it is. We have to bring every aspect of our lives under the leadership of Jesus Christ so that He becomes the Lord of every part of our lives. If there is still attitudes or, 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 or habits that you have that are not under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, those things are to your detriment. And Jesus wants you to grow beyond them because our goal isn't church and our goal isn't heaven. Our goal is the likeness of Jesus Christ and to be able to walk in the same dominion and power that He did on earth. And that's for each and every one of us. That is the end goal of Christianity, is to be holy like He is holy. And any part of my life that is not whole needs to be addressed. And so don't be surprised if somebody asks you about that. Like it's natural, right? If you come and you kind of hold your hand and you walk and people greet you and you greet them with the left hand, you take your hand again, you know, and somebody comes and greets you with the left hand, it's only natural at some point, guys, that somebody's going to go, hey, what's wrong with your right hand? What's up with your right hand? And then you go, oh yeah, I twisted my wrist or, you know, whatever, whatever. So if you're around us and we see something and we go, hey, what's up with that? That's not us judging. That's us concerned. Because that thing is holding you back to become like Jesus. And since heaven is not our goal and going to church is not our goal, healing and becoming like Christ is our goal, we're going to go there. But don't be offended by it. I am not claiming that you're something. I'm not saying you're weak. Because I know if this thing gets restored, you'll be who you are. You'll be strong. But right now, it's debilitating. It's holding you back. And if I want to know about it, I'm not doing it because I want to, I want to diss you. I want to help you. I want to help you. Healing takes time, and therefore we have to be patient. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 14. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, and take tender care of those who are weak. 
and be patient with everybody. It speaks to us as a whole church. Warn those who are lazy. You know what? If you've become whole and you're not helping anybody else, you've become lazy. It's time for you to put on your robe, put on your apron, and get your hands dirty helping other people get well. Because we're stopping going to church. After this series, our church's character and whole expectation is going to be different. We're not going to do this because it's an event that we like to come to. We're going to do this because it's a family that we want to connect with. We're not going to do this because it's a hotel that provides us comfort and entertainment and club membership perks. We're going to come because this is a hospital where I can continue my healing. And I think about the healing process. Last point, healing is a process. It's a process. It takes time. There are multiple elements of a healing process. Sometimes it's resurrecting somebody from the dead. But long term, it's helping that person walk again. It's building muscle. It's gymming. It's exercise. It stretches. There are disciplines that help restore you onto full health. And those are every, every little thing that we do as a church family. Healing takes a team of people. Hebrews 17. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. See, in our church, we have a multitude of leaders. We don't believe in just a man of God as a one-man show kind of leadership. This church will not happen if I am the only leader here. We have multiple leaders in this church. All who have grown to various points of likeness to Jesus Christ. But each and every one of them can testify to a work that God has been doing and is doing in their lives progressively. Consider these leaders. Consider the outcome that their faith has had on their lives. And then go and imitate their faith. It doesn't say do exactly as they did. It says imitate their faith because their faith caused them to respond to God and to the steps that they needed to take. What are the steps that you need to take to become whole? Hebrews 6.12 So that you may not be sluggish, but be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I want to let you know, no matter what you are going through, if your expectation is to connect to spiritual family and walk with a hospital, an environment where you can be made whole and take a journey, it doesn't matter what you're going through right now, you can walk through it. And you can come out whole and prospering on the other side. And you'll start prospering every step you take towards complete wholeness. How many of you know if you, if you, if you, have, if you have pain, right? And the pain gets dealt with in the least bit, it brings a massive improvement to your life, right? You might not be whole and fully restored yet. And there might still be things that you need to work on. But if the pain leaves, man, that's a massive improvement, isn't it? It's the same here. Every little step you take toward improvement is going to be a massive change for your life.
It's going to help you. It's going to be awesome. It's okay for you to not be okay in this church. But I also want to say that it's not okay for you to stay there. Because God wants more for you. And we want more for you. Let us stand today as we pray. Some of us have, have, have become comfortable in, in coming to church and experienced it as just a place that I go to and a place where I, where I, where I, where I go for entertainment and for comfort. And we need, to, we need to allow some time now for us to, to repent. Repentance means that we need to change our way of thinking about it so that we will start approaching it different. Repentance is, is not just saying I'm sorry. It's actually acknowledging that I was wrong and that my belief needs to shift. That's what repentance is. And so I want to invite each and every one of you as we all close our eyes and we spend some private time with Jesus right now. If you've in any form, maybe not been in all of what I said today, but in any form or way, approached church in a different way from what God sees church and you want to acknowledge that you were wrong and accept God's way of looking at it today as a family to connect to and as a hospital where health and healing and hurt people go I want you to raise your hand as an acknowledging act before God today and say Lord I've been doing church wrong help me change my mind help me change my mind just raise your hand right there where you are right now Lord, you see every, every heart that is changing the way they see, the way they think. And I thank you, Lord God, that the, what, they, what they get from it is going to radically impact their lives and help them to grow into your likeness, which is our ultimate goal. Let's remain in this moment. I want to ask you if you've never made a decision Submit your life to Jesus Christ. In other words, to trust in what He did on the cross for you to be saved. And only that, not your own good works. And you're ready to do that today. I want to ask you to raise your hand. I want to pray over you. If you're willing to put your hand in Jesus' hand and thank Him for what He did for you. Rather than try to fix yourself. You want to say, here I am Lord. I submit my life to you. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And I trust in you only. Go ahead and raise your hand right now. We'll pray with you too. Before any of the benefits of the kingdom of God, you have to give into the kingdom of God. And you don't come into the kingdom of God through performance. You come into the kingdom of God like that man who hit his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me. I cannot save myself. Please save me. So when you're ready to do that, you'll know where to find us. But you can also do it in your private time and come and let us know that you've made a decision to follow Jesus and Him alone. Let's pray. Father, I thank you now just for your awesome love in this place, Lord. The fact that we know that we're accepted regardless, but that we're also encouraged to grow and encouraged to beat the things that are holding us down so that we can become everything 
that you've meant for us and that we can become like your son, Jesus Christ. We pray a blessing over this church. In Jesus' name, amen.